St. George's number one station with Washington County's top talk show. The Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890, 92.5 KDXU. Yeah, and we've got the big dog on today, Police Chief Kyle Whitehead. There should be a dial right down there to help you with your head. There should be like a volume button right there. If that's not working, I can fool with it over here. Let's see. That help? Okay, Much good. better. All right. Uh, welcome to the program. I'm Andy Griffin, live here from Dixie Chiropractic Studios. Kyle Whitehead, the Chief of Police, St. George City, is here as well. Kyle, good to see you, man. Good morning. Thanks for having me back. It's been a few months. How's life? I, I, I don't know if I ever told you, by the way, uh, when I was a missionary out in New Jersey, I had a companion with the last name of Whitehead. Oh, interesting. It was Larry Whitehead. He was from Spanish Fork, and I, Whitehead's a relatively common name. So, Yeah, there's a few distant relatives throughout the state. Most of my family is from here in St. George, and then I had a few up in the Sandy area growing up. We used to play uh, uh, basketball every P-Day, and he, he was so funny because he would sit in one spot about 15 feet out on the baseline, and that was his shot, and that's the only shot he would shoot. <laughs> and uh, everybody, in fact, we had a saying: it "Was Whitehead from the corner?" Yeah, that was, and yeah. So Great. I don't know. Are, are you good from the corner too? No, I would never was the... very good at basketball. Oh, so okay. yeah, <laughs> uh, not, not a sport. I'm I'm real. So if you want to win, don't put me on your team. <laughs> don't they have a cops versus uh, firemen uh, game every year or something like that? It seems like we participate in several events like that. Obviously, yeah. I'm not real athletically inclined. They so don't I... put you on the team then. No. They... No, you're the no. coach, maybe. Yeah. In fact, uh, last year, the mayor and I, did a, we did a Washington versus St. George uh, oh, right, football. Right, right. And, yeah, luckily I was just uh, just on the sideline. They called me a coach, but, yeah. <laughs> you were support person. That's right. That's right. Ran person. the water around. <laughs> uh, we had a story uh, earlier today on KDX News uh, about body cams. Uh, it seems that uh, in Iron County, I, th- I don't know if it's the sheriff's or Cedar City Police, but anyway, they've gone through three different... Uh, body cam providers in the last three years uh, for various problems. One of them, uh, actually maybe in the last four years, because the first one, they were great at first, and then after about a year, it started being unreliable. Mm. Second one, same kind of deal. At first, it was like, this is even better than those other guys. And then, uh, you know, they'd come in to to dump their video or whatever at the end of their shift, and and files would get lost and stuff. And so they've actually picked a new provider out there. But that kind of brings to light the idea of body cams or or even uh, uh, cameras that are in your cars and how important they become as tools as part of policing and maybe chief if you can explain to us what is a body cam when is it activated uh how is it used uh and has it made policing easier or more difficult you know i think in in a way it's well mostly it's made the job easier um it's definitely something that's very useful in court yeah. when uh, it's it's hard sometimes to describe in words a person's behavior mm-hmm. and actions and and what was said and you know there's the human factor sometimes if you don't take great notes sometimes you may misquote somebody but it's great to have that recording and to be able to now document everything accurately in your report um i think it also shows uh, i know on on the administrative side we get people occasionally come in and about our officers and how mm. how they're conducting themselves and the body cam has made it very easy to to uh, address those issues um 99 of the time 
it's there it's just you know somebody's recollection of the incident is is not accurate as to what hmm. really happened now there are a few times that we find that yeah we we could probably do a little bit better um but but that's really helped um it has created some challenges for us because okay. we have now we have to deal with the storage uh, there are certain records retention laws we have to, to uh, um, comply with, um, and people come in and they want copies of the body camera, and now we have mm. to hire personnel that go through. There's redaction that has to happen because certain people, we have to blur faces and right. maybe blur out right. certain uh, statements for personal information, addresses, driver's license numbers, those wow. types of things. What so a nightmare. <laughs> it, it, on, on one side, it's a, it's a great tool, and it's really changed the way law enforcement um, operates. But, but on the other hand, it does sometimes create us some, some uh, challenges. The, there's that old, uh, and we've seen it on police shows and whatever, the old cop that, who kind of does things maybe unorthodox or maybe not even the right way, but he gets results. Has it put an end to those kinds of guys where you pretty much have to be by the book 24-7 now? Yeah, I don't know that... You know, there's all kinds of people that would speculate that there, you know, before cameras, that there were officers doing all kinds of uh, horrible things. <laughs> I again, I think there's a very small percentage of officers out there. Um, you know, my experience um, in the last 23 years in St. George PD, uh, we've only had body cameras since 2017, and so up until that time, you know, I, I worked side by side with a lot of officers on a mm-hmm. lot of cases, and I never saw any any misconduct, anything that people did intentionally. So no dirty Harry bending the no, rules to get the result no, kind of stuff. No, that, no, no, I'm not going to say it doesn't exist and it right. doesn't happen. But for the most part, I, I don't think the body cams um, have necessarily cleared up all this officer misconduct that mm. people sometimes speculate is out there. Okay, so uh, let's talk about a body cam. Well, first of all, okay, officers in a, in a car... Is there a different camera for the car than than the body cam? So if it ends up being a car chase, that's a different video or not? So the the body worn camera is at usually attached to the officer, right? Um, depending on the brand, um, most are attached on the chest area somewhere. Mm-hmm. But there are some companies that have mounting attachments that can go like on your shoulder. Um, I've even seen some head mounted ones right. uh, from time to time. But the most common ones are just mounted somewhere in in the center of the chest. Is that uh, when does it when does it go on? Like, is it does it go on as as soon as you like? Are you supposed to flick it on yourself when you when you respond to a call, or how does that work? So the the state law actually there's a state statute that talks about when we have to use these cameras. Okay. Um, first of all, if we have cameras, now uh, law enforcement agencies aren't required in Utah to have cameras, but if they do, they have to have a policy that that dictates or governs the use of the body camera, and then there's a few criteria that the policy has to to meet. Um, it has to be, um, they have to activate at any time there's a law enforcement encounter. Now, So even a traffic stop. Yeah, so, so that becomes challenging sometimes because, for example, say you're out at the, we, we've got the um, arts festival coming up. Officers mm-hmm. are out walking around. They may just be casually talking to people. And, and it's not going to be on at that typically point. Typically it's not going to be on. Yeah. The time it would be activated is if it looks like it's turning into something that would would warrant police action. So let me read down through what law enforcement encounters um, are defined as in in the statute. It's uh, an enforcement stop, a dispatched call, a field interrogation or interview, use of force, execution of a warrant, traffic stop, 
um, which includes a traffic violation, a standard motorist assist, and any crime interdiction stop, or any other contact that becomes adversarial after the initial contact in a situation that would otherwise require uh, recording. So uh, one of those in there actually surprised me when you said it, uh, it, it, even a traffic assist. So if I have a flat tire, policeman pulls pulls uh, behind me and wants to help me out with my flat tire, that would be a situation they would turn the camera on certainly, just in case. Certainly. Now, that's, that is the minimum standard of when we have to activate. You know, okay. some officers may activate more often. Say I get a, a message to call someone about a, a question. Um, maybe it's a civil question. Oftentimes, officers will still activate the camera even hmm. during the phone call so that there's a recording because sometimes allegations can get made that the officer said this or did that. Right. And so I think oftentimes officers are more inclined to err on the side of recording everything. And then there are records, uh, privacy laws that when if someone comes in and were to um, request the record, uh, there we can deny it or we can redact out the, the private or the protected information. It seems like a, an awful lot of information, a, a lot of videos. Uh, uh, videos are not small. I mean, we're, we, technology's gotten better and better, but still you're talking about, you know, if, a video you might have maybe on a shift, what, an hour, two hours, three hours worth of body cam video. What do you do with all that video? So initially, when we first started uh, a program, our body camera program in 2017, we tried to keep all of our video in-house. Mm-hmm. We tried to buy servers and, and do that, but, but as you said, it yeah. is, it's terabytes, you know, hundreds, thousands of, I don't even know what a thousand terabyte is, because there's, uh, uh, anyway, whatever's, whatever's know, after yeah. the terabyte. Anyway, there's a lot of information there, and so it became so problematic. Um, and then our previous camera vendor, it just didn't work out. We were having some issues with the cameras, and so we decided to change. Now we're with a provider that provides all of it on the cloud. Oh, wow. And so we don't house the storage. We pay them to, to maintain our, our body camera storage. How long are you required to, to keep those? Well, it depends on the agency. Now, the state does set certain parameters of mm-hmm. uh, what when you can get rid of police records and, or official records. Um, but for us, we there are actually circumstances to try and save our officers time from typing at the computer. We'll allow them to use their body camera as the the official report, and so so they based won't even on have that, to fill out a form at all. Yes, certain oh, cool. certain instances they can just make sure it's all narrated on the camera. And so because that's the case, we keep all of our body camera indefinitely at the at the moment. Wow. Now we've talked about changing that for some situations. You know, a, a traffic stop that the statute of limitations has run, and it's you know two four years whatever that yeah. um, time frame is. We've talked about maybe letting those fall off, but as of right now, we we retain everything. So I'm thinking about two years ago, I got pulled over on Bluff Street going a little too fast. Mm-hmm. I might be on your video somewhere. It's probably still there. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know what's interesting too is just talking about videos. People, uh, you know, we we want to we want to respect each other's privacy. Most of us, and we get concerned when we're recorded and there's a video of us out there. But you know, um, you, you see this from time to time. You, by going out in public, there's cameras everywhere. Oh yeah. You know, you're you don't really have a once you go out in public, you can be recorded. There's mm-hmm. there's no law that if you go to someone who's got their phone up and they're recording you. There's no law that, that restricts that person yeah. from recording you. You're, if, you're if in you a public a, place. Yeah, if you go on a public street, yeah, that that's the risk you take. In fact, I, I took some classes in college, and this was before cameras were ubiquitous. They were everywhere. Uh, that said, basically, once you're on out in public, in a public street or a park or wherever, that is your 
consent that you can be photographed or videotaped whether you like it or not. Yeah. And that applies to our officers as well. You know, you'll see uh, occasionally you'll see a video online yeah, or on YouTube yeah. where an officer says, turn that camera off. You can't record me, you know, or whatever. Um, and, that, and that seems to be changing, I think, as, as we become more educated about these. But but yeah, people have the right to record they police when, when they want. Now, they, they need to make sure that they're not interfering with whatever the police officer is doing. Right. But but that that is a right that a person has. One, one of the things that it seemed like to me with body cams would be hard for a police officer is the, I mean, you have the occasions where, you know, a guy runs or, uh, you know, somebody sees you and takes off or, or whatever. Is it hard to remember in those situations to flick that darn camera on? I mean, you're, all you're worried about is getting that guy, sure. right? You're not worried about a camera. It, it does happen uh, from time to time. We've noticed uh, a few years ago we were dealing with this a lot with vehicle pursuits. And the officers would would see a vehicle match the description, or they try and stop a vehicle, and they mm-hmm. get so caught up in the pursuit they forget to turn on their body camera. And so, one of the things we encourage our officers to do is: look, the minute you get the call, turn your camera on. Hmm. You know, even as you're pulling up to, say, you're getting uh, dispatched to a theft call, turn your camera on before you even get out of the car. That way, if something happens before you expect it to. The camera's already recording, and, and it'll capture a lot of that. Better to have too much than not enough, yep. in other yep. words. Okay, now, in the cars, is it the body cam? So, so say we have a high-speed chase. Uh, we had one not that long ago that it went out there to, you know, and out to, to Santa Clara. And, and But uh, say you have a high-speed chase-type situation. What camera is recording? Is that the body camera? Are there cameras on the cars? How does that work? So the body camera can record while you're driving, and then the car cameras can also record. And also has yeah. okay. Now, some agencies don't have in-car video. Uh, used to be that was the popular thing. Most car, most police, if they had cameras, it was just in the car. But then once you got out of the car, if you weren't right in front of the, the vehicle, you, you right. wouldn't see anything. Oftentimes you'd hear, hear them talking, but you wouldn't see them. Yes. Now, with, with body cameras, the, the camera usually goes. And, and, you know, some agencies still have uh, in-car cameras, but it doesn't seem to be as popular as it used to be with a body camera. Maybe you don't need them anymore if, if, the, yeah, if the, it's on your chest and you're driving. You've... The hard thing is I've, I've noticed is um, you can't really see well um, the driving other than you're seeing the dashboard right, typically. That's and true. so that's, you know, we've, we're actually looking at um, just because uh, we've seen some some crashes involving our employees. We're actually looking at adding um, some, uh, just you know the the videos you can buy for your car that, that mm-hmm. record out the front and out the back. Yeah. Um, we're, we're considering something like that, um, hmm. but it's not something we've really we've had bo- a few body cam or I'm sorry a few car cameras over the years, um, but we haven't ever outfitted. I mean, imagine the cost. I, I know they're very pricey, thousands of dollars, and then yeah. when you have a fleet like us over 100 vehicles that's that's pretty expensive that's a lot of money yeah for sure uh what are your maybe couple, two two favorite things and two least favorite things about body cams uh, since they've come into popularity the last six or seven years i think i th- i think it keeps everybody on better behavior when they know there's a camera that's recording officers and the public alike okay. we we noticed when we st- first started because you have to have the camera in an area that's that's visible you can't um, by statute either you have to notify someone or it has to be very visible um, and so we noticed as soon as we went to cameras oftentimes it, it kind of you know people seem to be a little bit a little bit calmer about Calm it. down a little bit that's yeah good. so so that was good I, I think again just for our ability to um, write better reports and have better documentation of events that that's another benefit that it's really helped 
with with policing. Uh, the downsides I see, um, again, the time it takes to manage the the video and, and the requests that that unfortunately takes a lot of time. Um, and then uh, probably the other thing is uh, just something that I, I find annoying is sometimes people come in and and demand that the officer didn't show me the video or they didn't get my violation on video so they can't cite me. That's not accurate. But, uh, <laughs> so sometimes the misinformation there and having to try and clarify that. But it's overall they're they're positive. I I think they're good. I, and I think um, as the technology improves, it's just going to make us better. So. Talking body cameras with Chief of Police Kyle Whitehead, St. George Police Department. Kyle, again, thanks for coming in today. Uh, when you walked in, I noticed you had the full flak jacket thing on. You're fully, fully in, in uniform. As a police chief, I wouldn't think that it would come into play as much. Yeah, my office you, isn't too dangerous. No, you're an administrative <laughs> guy. Sometimes you go, I don't really want to wear this today because I'm just going to sit at a desk all day. Yeah. Fortunately, we've gone to an external vest uh, carrier system for our vests. Uh-huh. And so when I go into the office, I can take it off. You know, oh, it used to good. be wore them under the shirts and yeah. you had you were stuck in it all day long. And so it's right. nice. I can go into the office and take it off. But I'm I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a busy guy when I'm out driving from here to there. If, if I see a violation or or, or there's a call and you'll get her done. Huh? I don't mind jumping in. I, it's been a minute since I've done a lot of different types of policing, so I'm usually the backup. But uh. I got pulled over once. Uh, this was like 40 years ago. I was 16 years old. I had uh, I was sitting at a red light. I was going to turn right, and it seemed like forever, so I cut through a gas station. And the chief of police of Sandy, Utah, uh, was in a in a just a, uh, I don't know what kind of car it was it was a it was a not a marked police car, but he followed me and flashed his badge at me and stuff, and we pulled over for him. And he said, "I don't usually pull people over." But that was a really jerk move you made cutting through the gas station. I'm like, uh, you're probably right. But we had to get to that ball game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Those important things. So he didn't give me a ticket, but he yelled at me. Oh, well, so hopefully he didn't yell too loud. I probably deserved it. Yeah, I, I don't yell. I, I'm usually pretty pretty calm. Pretty mellow guy. Uh, so body cams uh, are are pretty much, you said not every department is using them yet, but they're getting there, right? I mean, eventually I, I, they all will. Do you I think? would say, well, I don't even know what the percentage is. I don't know of any agency in, uh, at least in our county, that doesn't have body cameras. Um, now the feds are a little slower to come on board. I had mm. heard that they're they're starting to look at providing or requiring body cameras for certain agencies, but I know most of your federal um, law enforcement don't currently um, have them. But most of your state, local, county. Um, I think have them now, at least in Utah. It seems like to me, have, w- w- with you saying that, that means that both public and police have embraced the fact that these are actually good, right? I mean, I think there would be more pushback if, if the police or the public said, ah, we don't want these, but but it seems like we're accepting it. Certainly. There were people, I think, that were kind of skeptical initially. They felt like that once, now all of this, this uh, information was out there that may show that things aren't necessarily one way or the other, that then yeah. there might be this this push to take them back. Um, but we haven't seen that at all. That's good. That's so, good. Yeah, it's good. Uh, let's talk for just a minute, and then we've got to get to weather. Uh, I want to talk about your uh, cold weather, icy, snowy uh, reaction in, in St. George. Clearly, I mean, I was just in Logan for four days. Mm. They're used to all kinds of icy, snowy weather, you know, police being for all the slide-offs and things like that. That doesn't happen very often here. No. Uh, but... 
is there a, a plan in place for a date? I mean, it seems like maybe once a year we get a snowy day on the roads. Mm-hmm. Is there a plan in place? Like, are are there going to be extra officers called in that day knowing stuff's going to happen? Or yeah, how does we that would, work? If it got to that point, we would certainly call in extra staffing. Typically, once we start to see problem areas, um, our public works, our streets department is very responsive to come out and clear those with, if it's equipment or spreading the, the stuff that melts, I call it, it, most call it salt, but it's not really salt, it's a chemical that yeah. they spread out. Yeah. And so, no, we're, we're always prepared for those, those types of instances. There was a, a snowstorm, how many years ago was it? Maybe it was 10 years ago, I can't even remember. But it, it uh, stuck some snow around on the roads and things mm-hmm. for, for a few days, and it was icy. In fact, you know where the police department is downtown? Right. It's a, kind a of a climb to hill. get up to yeah. it. And we had several officers back then. We were using the Crown Vicks, which were rear-wheel drive vehicles. Yeah. Those things were useless. You, you couldn't, uh, they <laughs> couldn't, couldn't even get, get the, the police hill. station. Oh, man. And so we had them going and getting, borrowing you know, the trucks from the bike patrol and some of our administrative vehicles that were four-wheel drive and SUVs and those things. And so now all of our patrol vehicles are all-wheel drive. That's why we uh, use the Explorers, because they, they have that capability. So if the roads nice. do get slick, it's a little bit easier to maneuver. I have a, an old Ford Mustang in my garage, and I don't take it out if it's slick at all because yeah. it's rear, powerful rear-wheel drive, and it's, yeah, it's like you said, kind of worthless in that mm-hmm. type of weather. So, uh, all right, let's take a phone call real quick. Hey, you're on with Andy and with the chief of police. What's up? Hi, um, I had a question for you with regard to uh, body cams. I understand that through other jurisdictions in the United States, they're now testing the viability of using um, cell phone. Uh, cell phones that have the camera and the, the audio that uh, would would uh, work in place of that. It would do a live stream to supervisors, allowing them wow. to see real-time action, and then it also uploads to a central database um, at, a, at a much reduced cost. I understand that costs are a big thing, you know, in, in providing everyone with body cams, has uh, St. George PD looked at that? That's a good question. There's actually a company um, that's been here to a couple of conferences. We have the Chiefs and Sheriffs Conference every year here in St. George. Mm-hmm. And there is a company that uh, I believe they're out of California that, that was really pushing this technology. The hard thing with the cell phones, what we, we looked at it. The challenge, again, is their retention doesn't retain. It's not the technology is not developed to retain the video for the amount of time that we would need. Um, it's more of a short term. Also, the storage didn't seem to be as robust. The other challenge is your cell phone. I mean, trying to find a mount to put your cell phone right. somewhere on your chest or somewhere with the camera. Besides, the body cameras are developed more to catch a better picture oftentimes than a cell phone Kind of a wide angle. Maybe, yeah. Huh? And these, so, these were actually these were actually custom uh, created. I don't remember which uh, maker, if it was Samsung or Apple or whomever, but it it gave the same um, quality picture and audio, and they identified a way in which instead of having it retained on the camera or on the phone itself for download later, it automatically um, uploaded. Yeah. to a central database which is unlimited yeah 
no, that's uh, we're always looking at, at ways to save money, and uh, we just went to a, a camera company that uh, we we did evaluations on several and felt like this was the best fit for us, the money for the you know the cost versus what we needed, and so. But as technology improves, we'll we'll certainly consider it. What is the cost of of a, a body cam these days? Oh my goodness. Um, I I can tell I can give you a wild guess. Sure. I yeah. think we're paying about three somewhere in the ballpark of three to five hundred dollars. Typically, you find that it's not the camera that costs the money; it, they get you on the subscription, the yeah, the license, yeah. and then the ongoing uh, storage and, and those. That's usually where you you see the more significant cost. But I want to say off the top of my head, it's somewhere three to four five hundred dollars uh, a camera. But the overall, when you when you create your budget for the year, and I don't know if you guys do it annually or biannually, do you do you build in the overall cost per per uh, uh, full time employee at? Yeah, there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of things that go into consideration when we look at cameras. Uh, besides just what the cost of the camera is, it, you know, it's the how long has the company been in business? Because we've seen a lot of camera companies uh, go under. And or they, you know, they they come in and and they sell a product and then pretty soon now what happens if they have years of your your data, where does that go? And you have to now try and and deal with that. And so gone forever. Yeah, yeah, you have to. Those are things that you have to sometimes you can't really put a price tag on as well. And so but it is something that we continually um, evaluate. Uh, and so we could talk about budgets, I, I guess, a little bit. We're kind of in budget season <laughs> yeah. now, but that, that's a little bit more boring. But I, I think, you know, what the caller was saying might be the future of, of it is just having it, you know, upload stream live, you know, back to the department or whatever, so that if there is a situation, you guys can just, you know, push a little button. Okay, this is what's going on with Officer Jones over in you know, over in Santa, not Santa Clara, over in, uh, in, in Little Valley or something. A and, lot of and, camera companies have that um, that option now um you would just have to add a a a, some sort of a card a a sim card to be able to get the cellular connection what you find though is unless you're on a on a real robust network for that to stream live it it it's kind of choppy and it's not real i mean it it looks good and when they always give you the demo it's on a a wi-fi where you've got really good reception but out in the field typically that type of streaming video doesn't always come across well but perhaps in the future huh yes He's Kyle Whitehead, Chief of Police. Got to take a break. We'll get a weather break in here on the Andy Griffin Show. When we come back, we want to talk about well, other things having to do with police budget, of course, and uh, something Sheriff uh, Brooksby did last, well, two weeks ago. I want to get Coat, uh, Chief Whitehead's take on that when we come back. Compelling guests, hot topics, the latest news, always on the Andy Griffin Show. Is there a juicy part in it for me? Right here on News Radio 890, 92.5, KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Hey, welcome back. We've been talking body cams a little bit. The Chief of Police is with us, Kyle Whitehead from St. George City. Thank you, Kyle, for coming. Yeah, my pleasure. Good to have you here. Uh, I think we've determined basically. People get kind of all caught up in the body cams, and that's so you know, these you know, the, my rights are being violated, whatever. But well, most of the time, unless you do something really bad, nobody's ever going to see that body cam footage of you, you know, getting a ticket or, or you know, you get called out on a domestic or whatever. It's 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 never going to be seen again unless you know maybe in court. That's yeah. it. Yeah, typically we don't. We, you know, we do get requests, but compared to the overall amount of, of video that we that comes in, it, it's very minimal. 
my wife my wife worked in the court for many many years over in Washington City and uh, after a while they put in uh, a surveillance camera mm -hmm. and uh, she was and she kind of got question when, where does this video go and they're like well it goes immediately onto a server and then we can review it later and she's like so the camera is not to prevent me from being attacked the camera is to get the bad guy after he's already killed me or something <laughs> yeah unfortunately that's kind of the, the way that, that technology works yeah yeah uh they did finally put bulletproof glass in there oh, for her nice. so which i was a you know i i think 15 years i asked them to do that and they finally did it yeah but, good uh, Okay, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Nate Brooksby, our esteemed sheriff, great job, uh, took over, of course, for the late Corey Pulsford. He was a fantastic guy. Uh, but uh, he expressed some, some disappointment and dissatisfaction because people were coming to him and saying, hey, you know, that guy you arrested, I just saw him the other day. Shouldn't he be in jail? And he says, Nate was telling me, he says, look, we, you know, we, we don't really control them much after they've been arrested, especially once they've seen a judge. And if the judge releases them on their own recognizance or if they post bail or if they do time served or whatever, there's really nothing a police officer can do about that. And I guess you would concur. You kind of agree. Yeah. You know, we we have to follow the rules just like the judges, just like anybody else in the in the uh, um criminal justice process yeah. and so you know, at times we we issue citations uh, at times we we make arrests but once that arrest happens really it, it takes it out of our hands now there are certain times we can put additional information if there is some to to try and justify why the person may need to be held if they're a flight risk if they're violent you know, they may be a danger to, to somebody else, domestic violence, for example. Maybe yeah. there's an ongoing potential. It was a serious enough case that, that there needs to be some consideration there. Um, but then that's it, it goes out of our hands. And sometimes we have to, I think, consider, too, um, there, there are guidelines that even our judges have to follow, you mm -hmm. know. And, and that's, I know sometimes we want to get frustrated somewhere. But unfortunately, our, our criminal justice system can be frustrating at times. And, and so I think my, my perspective is, and I, I don't know a lot of what happens beyond, you know, when we make arrests. Now, the sheriff can speak to what happens for, for the release and the jail process. Mm -hmm. But I think people do as best job as they're, they're allowed to. But we have to work within the parameters right. of the law. And if there are things that are frustrating to us, if there are things that, you know, we feel like... Uh, people shouldn't be released as as quickly then we need yeah. to change the law and um petition to our, our state representatives and say there there needs to be some some changes here so sheriff brooksby did end up publishing kind of a list of i think it was just in the past month of people who had been released and how why they had been released and sometimes it was they had posted bail. Sometimes a judge had released them, uh, as, you know, time served, like I said, or on their own recognizance. Uh, but his his point was kind of what you were saying. He said, we really don't have any control. Once once it hits the, the court system, there's not a whole lot police officers have to do with it anymore, unless yeah. it's, say, testifying in a, in a case or something. Yeah. And unfortunately, we're seeing many cases, uh, you know, I, I can think of a few recently where we've had some, some pretty violent crimes committed by juveniles. Mm -hmm. And juvenile law has, has changed over the last several years, and it's very hard to even be able to interview uh, juveniles. Right. And, and then to, uh, it just, it, it seems like at times, sometimes, uh, my perspective is it's almost like we, 
we err on the side of you know being kind of soft on the criminals, and all the rest of us tend to suffer. I agree, and yeah. uh, I, I'm not I'm not pointing blame anywhere, but just that seems over over the two decades I've been in law enforcement, that seems like that's kind of the direction we're headed, and and okay. it's unfortunate. Chief Whitehead's not putting the blame on anyone, but I will. ACLU. The- <laughs> they've been a big one, you know, and and they. I'm not saying they, everything they do is wrong, but I'd say they they fought for rights, and they've, it seems like they've gone too far in a lot of cases. Yeah, I I wouldn't go so far as to place blame on them. I, I think there's a lot of good <laughs> that they do, but um, I I think there's there's a lot of areas that we just need to to improve and. Yeah, it, I get as frustrated. Police officers get as frustrated as the rest of us when we see. Uh, uh, there are oftentimes an officer will go out and book someone in jail. It'll take the by the time he gets his report done, that person's already back. And yeah. they're already released, and so, so it, it the is officer is sitting at a desk writing a report, and the guy's already walking around the streets. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, I a few years ago, maybe two years now, they or maybe even only a year, they started. Uh, I, I'm, I have to admit, I like to go to the Washington County website and see the arrest reports. They had pictures. It was, it was. I know a lot of people are well. That's not fair. You're putting your pictures up there, and you know they haven't been convicted yet, and things like that. But uh, a, a new law took the pictures away. In uh, the the intent was well, just what I said. You know, you, you, the court of public opinion was already convicting these mm-hmm. people. By the same token, something else happened that I don't think people were counting on, and that's people with the same name were finding out. For instance, I have a daughter, and someone keeps getting arrested that has the exact same name as my daughter. My daughter has not been arrested. In fact, she's out of the country. She's on a mission right now. Mm-hmm. And this person got arrested fairly recently. And uh, and I've actually had people come up to me and say, oh, is that your daughter? Did your daughter get arrested? No, that's not my daughter. But uh, that's kind of one of those unintended consequences. Does that have any effect? Does that matter to the police department at all, the, the arrest reports and the pictures? No, I, I don't know that it really affects us. I mean, everybody liked to go on there. I, I heard several people. I, I still, to this day, have a lot of people call me and say, you know, man, I love these bookings because it's, you know, I, uh, some employers. There, mm-hmm. there are some employers that watch the bookings religiously mm-hmm. to, to see if their employees are getting arrested so they can deal with, you know, that, that type of thing. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of indifferent to that. I, again, a law changes and, and now we, we see what the results are. And so. All right, let's get a quick commercial break in. When we come back, we'll talk budget with the St. George police. So they have enough money Do they have what they need to do the jobs that they have to do. That's on the Andy Griffin show right after this. This is the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890, 92.5 KDXU. Stay tuned for Clay and Buck coming up next. Welcome back, 951 on KDXU. We had a caller who uh, called right before we went to break, and if they want to call back, we'll certainly get them on the air as soon as we can. Uh, I'm here with uh, St. George City, uh, St. George Police Department Chief Kyle Whitehead. Kyle, you doing all right, man? Yeah, doing good. I feel bad, though. I, for those listeners out there, Andy was, was feeling great until I showed up, and then he deal. suddenly gets sneezy. So maybe I'm he's either, allergic to police officers. I don't know. I'm either allergic to Chief Whitehead <laughs> or it's a coincidence and I'm getting a cold, one or the other. Yeah, but, who knows what uh, I drug in. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you probably came here from home, right? You hadn't even been to work yet. I stopped at the office. Oh, you did? Yeah, okay. but I, I didn't put on any cologne, so no? I don't think it was that. But well, that maybe stuff doesn't usually get Shampoo me. or so. <laughs> I don't know. What's your flag jacket made out of? Maybe it's something inside of <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, anyway, thanks for listening, folks. It's 9.52. Got a few more minutes with the chief of police. And I, I, I'll ask in all seriousness, are, do you guys have the money you need to do the job that you need to do? Absolutely, we do. You know, that is one of the great things about St. George is we have always had what we need here. We have a great police department and our officers make make do with, you know, there's some years budgets are, and money's a little bit leaner, uh, but, but our officers work hard and, and, and do well. Um, we have elected officials, our city council and our mayor that are 100% supportive, both the ones that are currently sitting and, and previous. Yeah. We, we've always had great support, and we have great support from the community. Uh, the community is always asking, you know, what can we do? How can we support you? And and it's just great. And so, yeah, we're going into a new budget right now. We're budget prepping for our next fiscal year budget. Our budget runs from July 1st to June 30th. And so we're going through the process right now of setting all of our, our budget and needs for this next year. And uh, it's it's quite a process. It's very probably the least favorite part of, of my job. I, I'm not I'm not into all the budgeting and that. No, it's kind of yeah. and it causes me sometimes a little bit of anxiety because I know there's only uh, who, so much who does money the house now. budget in the Whitehead house? Is that you or the wife? I, I actually do it. Okay, yeah, so, but no, so, that's a simple. If, if our police department budget was like my house budget, it'd be oh, no problem. No problem. I'd be a breeze. <laughs> all right, let's go to the phone line. Hey, thanks for calling back. You're on the Andy Griffin Show with Chief Whitehead. What's up? Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Um, uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if this whole show is about the budget, but I, I did have something that was off. The, well, I don't know. It, it would tie into the budget too. I was reading the article, and I also was listening to the news. And with our open borders right now, besides people that really want to come here for a better life, we also have a lot of people that are here uh, to <laughs> disrupt our lives. Yeah. And uh, one article I was reading about was how. Uh, the Mexican uh, drug cartels uh, are, you know, we all know they're here in the United States, but I didn't realize how how much um, of an operation that they have set up here. And they had, uh, this is by, um, I sent this to Andy, it was the Justice Department, say the cartels now have operations in at least 230 American cities. And they listed by state by state. And in Utah, they have Ogden, and I never heard of the city, O-L-A-T-H-E, um, and then Provo, Salt Lake City, and there's little old St. George right at the bottom of the list saying the cartels are, have uh, set-ups in these cities. And now uh, the news last week saying what they're doing now with all these people coming over that are associated with the cartels in the open borders, they're setting up manufacturing operations more than they were before here in the United States because now they have the opportunity. It's easy to get the workers over here. How how aware should people be if they see suspicious activity in a brand-new home in Little Valley of coming and going? Because you see the news where there's a big drug drug bus and the neighbors are shocked, you know. Well, they seem like nice people. We didn't realize that was going on there. How aware should people be of uh, the cartels setting up operations here in St. George, and, and what should they do if they do notice something suspicious? I think that's a, a really good question, and something that oftentimes we don't consider is we think cartels, and maybe we only think of a certain maybe race of people. Um, but we're finding, uh, we had a, a drug lab here, uh, it's been seven or eight years ago now, that it was operated by Caucasian people. 
And so back to your point, I think we should be very aware, regardless of where we live in our city or in the county, we should be aware and, and be paying attention to things. And when things don't look right, don't hesitate to call. Reach out to the police. You can be anonymous. You can call and, and request to speak with a, with a uh, person who can help and maybe help you kind of evaluate. But I would always say if things don't look right, we're fortunate here. We've got a, a multi-jurisdictional drug task force. Um, it's countywide. Um, St. George, the county, Hurricane, uh, Washington. I'm going to forget someone. I hope not, though. But uh, anyway, several partners here, and we have a, a drug task force, and they focus very aggressively on the drugs, and not just not low-level dealers. They, they 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 deal with that, but they're looking for those those drug trafficking organizations that are trying to set up shop here. And as right. soon as we find them, we we get we put enough pressure on them. We we make sure we we get a good case and then we have federal partners that were often able to get federal prosecutions and get real pr- yes. good prison time we get them out of our community because that is important and it is a priority for us right yeah i i uh, i'm i'm like many americans i don't focus on race i don't care what color a person is if there's something suspicious going on in my neighborhood black yellow green pink uh, I would report it. I think that's part of the problem. People put too much emphasis on everything is tied into race today. And I think that's, that's one of the big problems with our country right now. I mean, we're all Americans, and race has nothing to do with crime. You know, it's, uh, everybody is uh, capable of committing a crime, no matter what race they are. So yeah, great point. Uh, that, yeah, that is. Okay. Well, uh, th- thank you. It, it, uh, like I said, it just uh, people need to be aware uh, that, you know, we're we're no longer the type of city where you go to sleep with the windows unlocked and the doors uh, unlocked, uh, because you know crime crime looks for opportunity. You know, the other and thing I, I would mention, and I, I appreciate you bringing this topic up, because we do. Uh, you know, it used to be we'd get the drug loads. We they were pat, we were passing through typically for you know right. from Vegas to Salt Lake, Vegas to Denver, and we've actually been seeing more that are destined for St. George. Um, they're going to storage units here locally or, mm-hmm. you know, have stash houses. And so that that is becoming more of a problem as we grow. So yeah, thanks. Something to be aware of. And, and again, always, and, you know, I, I, Brett Prude, who comes on, uh, always thought, he's a former police trainer. He says, you always want to look for things that are out of place. If something's not right, if something doesn't feel right, then usually something's not right, and you need to at least try to figure out what what's different and what's wrong. And if it's really wrong, then that's where you involve the police. So, Kyle, it's been a pleasure as always. Thank you. You're always welcome on the show. I know we have actually haven't had you for six months or something, right? It's been but, a minute, but, but hey, uh, I'll come whenever you want me to. Appreciate you coming in. I know we're going to get uh, probably next month, maybe get uh, some of the cold case detectives on here, too, to talk Great. about some of the cold cases. I don't think we have any murder cold cases going right now, right? Just the other not, crimes? Not that we, you know, we've still got the Mason Smith case. We don't right. know what happened to Mason. Um, Where is he? Yeah. Yeah. We, we've had a few. There's another one that went actually went missing from here, but uh, ended up, we found the vehicle down in Vegas. But there's some things we could talk about. All right. He's Kyle Whitehead. I'm Andy Griffin. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow is a new month, March 1st, and Dr. David Blodgett will be with me. Hopefully, we'll, uh, we'll hear from you then. <laughs>